Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is Malavika. This is Akshaya. And we're excited to finally be back to record this week's episode. After a slightly longer hiatus. So thank you for bearing with us um, as we kind of go through these growing pains. But there is an update. What is the update? Yes, so super early, way earlier than anticipated. I will be moving to New York City actually next week for work. Yes, I start working officially on July 10th, my full-time job. So originally the plan was for me to move in September. However, plans changed and now I'm moving to New York, which is kind of crazy because I only got like two weeks notice and like mental preparation to make this move happen. And I'm honestly very down bad about it. I'm very, very sad and upset, but I know once I get there, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So it's um, it's a new life for me. It's me starting a completely new chapter of my life. So I'm excited to experience New York City again. But it's just a little scary being an adult now. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like the whole summer, usually after school, you have like time to decompress and get ready for the next school year. But, you know, it's when you have your last summer, before you start working it's like you don't really get a summer break ever again and maybe we'll make an episode about this actually but like nobody prepares you for that last summer until your life is literally about to change forever yeah that sounds kind of dramatic but if you guys think about it once you graduate college and let's say you're not pursuing higher education and you choose to get a full-time job you're never gonna have a summer break a winter break you're never gonna have prolonged periods of time where you're able to relax that's because Well, I'm speaking for Americans because obviously for other countries it's different, but yeah, it's just weird for me that I'm never going to be able to like have a month off in December. (laughs) But it's also interesting because like if you think about college and you know, the way that they just expect you to hustle, you've had internships before. So it's not like you really had a whole summer to yourself since you were like probably in high school or something you know that's true I think it just feels different now because it's the last one it's the last one and I'm pretty much going to be working full-time for the rest of my life until hey, I retire at least you had a month and a half I had two weeks no after I did I have a month and a half I had seven months oh yeah I've been I should have been mentally preparing a while ago but I was just like chilling like a villain at home yeah oh my god I only had two weeks and then I was like boom yeah I think about all my friends who graduated in May and who are starting to work in July and August and I'm like how do you guys how are you okay with only having two months off because that's crazy definitely but um before we get too off topic that's not actually what we're here to discuss so what are we talking about today So this week's podcast episode is going to be about growing up South Asian and how that kind of influenced our childhoods, how that influenced the way that we see life now as adults, and just going to kind of reflect over some of the thoughts that we had as kids um, being Indian. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start. Um, I wasn't born in the States. I was born in India, but we moved here uh, when I was three and we moved to New Jersey. And um, this is, you know, super common amongst the Indian immigrant story. There's like a few cities and states where we all tend to congregate and New Jersey is definitely one of them. Um, But for us, that's like where we had a lot of family. And um, also that's where our dad got a job. So that seemed like the first kind of natural place and you were born there Mm -hmm. um like a year after we moved and that's kind of where we did like I would say a majority of at least my elementary school I did preschool kindergarten 
um, until fourth grade. Oh my god, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, I was there for a a minute. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and you started school there, like preschool and kindergarten. I was there, yeah, just for those two, just for those two years. And then we actually moved to Texas, which is super random and was kind of random for us too. But we randomly ended up in Austin, Texas. um, And then, yeah, that was just a whole, like a tiny little year stint. Honestly, it's like a blip in my we can barely remember what we yeah, did there and then we moved to maryland and that's where we spent a majority of our lives and that's where we're like we still are now but our experience in each of those three places was so different mm-hmm. um like in new jersey for example um it was so incredibly diverse so like for example our apartment complex that we were living in had so many indian people like when you went to the park there was all these indian kids um like my mom had so many friends um, and we had family there Lots so of family friends yeah and even in school there were like so many Indian kids so in that way I don't really think that um I kind of acknowledged my uh ethnicity that much because it just was like very common to see and also I think I was really young and didn't you know kids at that age don't quite notice those differences or at least they don't notice enough to voice them mm-hmm. so yeah um at least that early like I would say kindergarten first grade probably into like third grade um I've really felt like any other kid what about you I would say New Jersey I mean I was so young so it barely made a difference to me obviously and then Texas I was also only I just completed first grade there so I I can't really speak on those experiences but I will say when we first moved to Maryland we lived in a town that was pretty diverse and I actually pretty much every single friend I had there was Indian Mm -hmm. and I went to school with those kids so when I was in school we would hang out and eat lunch together and they would be in my classes so for the first like I would say second grade to fourth grade because that was when we were in living in that town before we moved to the town that we live in now um I honestly felt like any other kid because pretty much every kid that I played with looked exactly like me and I, I feel like in that day and age, we didn't really have the whole, it wasn't so much of a divide, like everybody just kind of was living their lives. Also, um, I don't know if we had like, or at least at that age where you must have been like seven or eight or something, you probably didn't have the vocabulary to think about those things. Yeah, definitely not. But definitely. Um, at that point, I was in like sixth grade. So that was kind of when I was kind of starting to notice mm-hmm. things. And you had like white friends. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think I had that many white friends at that time. I think, I mean, because like in the year that we lived in Texas, um, because we were in Austin, Texas, which is still like extremely diverse. Um, and even if there weren't like a whole bunch of other Indian kids, you know, there were a lot of like POC kids and like just brown kids in general. So in that way, um it wasn't so like crazy but it was interesting because even as a child when we had moved there like texas had a kind of a reputation where it's like oh maybe you should be a little careful Mm -hmm. um if you're a person of color just like kind of watch out and like see read the room essentially um but i didn't feel like there was anything wrong like i there were even if there weren't like indian kids in my class there was only one other girl there were in other classes um and so I did have kind of like a community here, but I really felt like it was the most diverse when we moved to Maryland, like the first town that we lived in. Um, That was when my friend group truly had like 
a bunch of people of like different races yeah I remember that um and I think that because I was in sixth grade you know I was still kind of young um I didn't really notice too much and you know that's like when you're just starting to go through puberty so like the awkward things that you have to deal with haven't started yet so I think things are still pretty good and I think it wasn't until I was in seventh grade but really eighth grade is when like I started to notice and think about the fact that I was different. And that was when we had moved here. To yeah, the to the we town live we live in. Yeah. Which like for context, um, when we moved there, I think it was like 2008 mm-hmm. or something. Something like that. Um, it was not diverse, like at all. Um, and this was like kind of a developing area. So we were, you know... There weren't that many people living there um, compared to now. And it's yeah, like way house, more diverse I mean, we now. built this house. Yes. So we were one of the first houses on our street. Oh, yeah. Thing. Like our neighborhood was not as developed as nearly as developed as it is right now. Yeah. And it was kind of then when I was like, I think I was 13 years old and I got here and there was just like, uh, I think in my seventh grade class, there was like three Indian girls, including me. And maybe like four guys and that was it and it was like the you know the little things where it's like they would constantly confuse your names mm. with each other they'd be like oh you know call me this other person's name and then to kind of cover it up it would be like oh but you guys look alike and it's like we really did not look also alike. that's not much better no uh we really did not look alike at all or just kind of like the stereotype being like oh you're supposed to be really smart and it's like meant to be a compliment, but it's also kind of like a lot of pressure. So mm-hmm. then you're like, damn, okay, I guess I have to. Yeah. But that was the main thing where people would constantly get my name wrong because they would constantly compare me to like this other girl. Yeah. And it was interesting because I only ever got her name, but I think it was because she had been <laughs> here longer. She never got my name. So That's I don't so know. What, funny. I don't know what that was about. I think I definitely experienced exactly the same things. I feel like when I was in sixth grade too was oh no I want to say actually a little earlier because I do remember this um I mean as as Indian children our parents especially our mothers I would say um like to put coconut oil in our hair because it's good for your hair I do it all the time now um but when I was younger I did not want to be going to school with coconut oil in my hair because people would call your hair greasy and they would make fun of you for having hair that looked oily so all the white kids in my class were confused whenever I would come to school with coconut oil in my hair and they would be like, why is your hair so greasy? Oh, wow. And I would just think, oh, is this a, is this a bad thing that I have coconut oil in my hair? And so pretty much then after thereafter, I would vehemently be against putting any sort of coconut oil in my hair and I actually hadn't for a long time like even in high school I didn't and I only really started actually like a year or two ago when I moved back home because of the pandemic and everything but I think that was the first time I realized like oh this is like people other people don't do this yeah that was definitely similar for me and I think it was like also because when I was really young like our mom would do my hair for school like Mm -hmm. very young grades you know like kindergarten and first and second grade and sometimes she'd put like coconut oil in my hair and I had like really thick hair like really nice hair like that was the thing that all the aunties and uncles knew me for and like everyone in my family 
And so, yeah, people would be like, why does your hair look like that? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even actually remember a distinct time. I just kind of remember that it was like, at some point I just stopped doing it. Yeah. And it was like a similar thing. By the time I was in upper middle school, I, I, I wasn't doing that anymore. Or at least I wasn't doing it in a way where like other people could tell. Like my hair was not oiled for school. I was doing it on the weekends or something where no one could see me. Exactly. And it was like a gradual process. And I don't really know, like the very first time it started, I don't think I have an event um, that kind of sparked that where I was like trying to hide bits of like my culture um, from home and trying to see more like everybody else. So like, I don't remember when this happened, but there was a time where like our mom I just told her I wasn't going to bring like, for example, she would make me like roti mm-hmm. with like aloo and stuff inside and it would be like a little wrap. Yeah. Um, and I would take that. And then at some point I was just like, no, I can't like you have to make me a sandwich or like pasta because people would be like, what is that? Or, like it smells, it smells weird, weird. Mm-hmm. even though, you know, it whatever it didn't. It was great. Um, now I'm like, no, I'll take it. Yeah. But yeah, that definitely was a thing. And you did not want to be that person who people were like, what is that? You know, because people were already making comments like curry girl. You oh, smell really? like curry. Things like that. And not even necessarily to me. I'm sure I got it once. Or- I definitely got you smell like curry like several wow, times. I don't which also weirdly enough when. I had people come over to our house when I was younger because I never really did it after I like high school. Yeah. Um, people would be like, your house smells very distinctly of Indian food. And obviously, because my mom <laughs> makes Indian food at home. But, but also sometimes they would say that in a way that was like not a compliment. Exactly. And, and so then I would feel self-conscious like and then I would say things like, wait, I don't smell it, though, because obviously I, I live here. I'm used to the smell. And they'd be like, no, it definitely smells it has a very distinct smell. And so then I would just never want to invite anybody over because I was scared that my house smelled bad to them. Yeah. And we didn't actually invite people over. Like, I don't think I can remember a time. And it was always because I was like, oh my God, what are they going to say? You know, because like, what are they going to think of my house? Like we, like all, almost all Indian families, I think we had like a little area of our house where we had like the temple. So there are pictures of, you know, gods and things and stuff used for like pujas and other religious festivals and stuff. And just kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say like memorabilia of being Indian, but you know, like decorations and stuff. Decorations we had, um, a picture of our grandfather on the wall yes um, um who's like passed away which yeah. is like something that you know is very common in indian families we have our indian calendar up yes and like sometimes the you rice know, cooker oh that too and like if our parents went to a temple um they would like bring back a picture of like whatever god that temple was for and that would be hung up and yeah and i guess it was just like i didn't know how to kind of explain that or also um like in the movies and in the TV shows, all of the American, like white American houses were all decorated in a certain way. And our house was like, did not look like that, which is not to say that it looked bad, but it definitely looked different. Um, and it wasn't decorated like a catalog. You know, I, I thought that all white people lived in homes that look like catalogs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want any of them to come over to my house because I was like, my house doesn't look like an Ikea catalog. Exactly. And I don't want them to like judge me or something. So, yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like when we first got this house, it was definitely more Indian looking than it is now. I definitely feel like we have more like modern furniture or whatever, but there's still, there's still very distinct things that 
we don't have that a regular white American family does have in their house. And so in that way, like I would always feel, oh my God, my, my house looks so different than my friends. And it's so hard to explain why we have all of our, why we only have steel cups and plates. Oh yeah. That was always a thing that like my friends. We use our oven as a storage and not actually as an oven. Yes. Yeah. It was a huge one. Um, My friends would be like, what are these plates? You can't microwave them. And I'd be like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or like, because there's no baking in Indian cuisine. So like you put pots and pans that you want to store somewhere inside the oven. And to this day, like baking is a whole ordeal, it's an ordeal because everything has to come out of the oven in order to bake something. And it's just like not worth the hassle half the time. Exactly. And on our dining table, there's like 20 different types of achad. Yes. So Or like papad. Yeah. Depending on the day. Yeah. So, I mean, we're like, we're just giving examples of the ways that we felt different growing up and that ultimately resulted in us not feeling comfortable inviting our friends over to our house and also there's we I mean we live in a townhouse and obviously like other not just Indian people live in townhouses but what I'm trying to say is like we didn't ever have anything we felt like we could do with our friends here whereas whenever I would go to my other friends houses that were American or white they would always have like a TV in their basement and like a movie theater and a pool in their backyard and like all these different things. And I could never say that we had those things. Yeah. So I felt what's the use of inviting them over? Cause there's, there's nothing, nothing to, to do, do here. Yeah. yeah like we're I just going to sit and watch TV together. That's like, or like play on our game boys or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one of the ways that, um, being South Asian was, you know, a part of our childhood. But I think like, when you're in those younger years, you can see other people getting bullied. Like I definitely saw that happening to kids who are also immigrants and like specifically POC. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, how do I make that not be me? You know, like how do I not have that happen to me? Oh my gosh. And so then I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to like try not to draw attention to myself. A hundred percent. And it's like at some, you already know that attention is drawn to yourself because like if your school is predominantly white, like just by the color of the your, color skin. Of your skin like uh-huh. they know that you're different you know like when someone's calling your name on an attendance they're gonna say it wrong and then for the rest of that class period everybody's gonna look at you yeah people are laughing at you because like they said your name wrong and so it's like okay how do I make myself like assimilate as much right so obviously at least in terms of our speaking we had quote American accents yeah. so that was fine like nobody were was distinguishing us but like I would make sure to bring snacks and things in my lunch that were just like everybody else so that was something that was taken care of or like if you know if this was the popular style of clothing I would try to wear that because there was a point where my mom would like when I was very young my mom would like buy really cute clothes from India or like when family would go and stuff and I would wear that to school but then it would be like no like I have to dress got to a certain age yeah and it's like I have to wear what the kids are wearing you know I have to go to Aeropostale as well and buy the checkered Bermuda shorts that we're not talking about anymore but yeah and and because that's like if you wore like Aeropostale or Hollister Abercrombie like you were cool and And you were just like everyone else and that is exactly what any immigrant child POC wanted at that time because it was brutal if you were one of those people who got bullied just because of the color of your skin because I saw that too and all I ever wanted was I don't want first of all I didn't want that to be happening in the first place but I definitely didn't want it to be happening to me 
and it was just upsetting because yeah just existing draws attention to yourself because you're different than everyone else we went to a predominantly white high school yes and, that, and middle school and middle school yeah so that really really shaped our experiences growing up because when i looked around me i didn't really see anybody that looked like me yeah and so i automatically felt like i need to try as hard as i can to be exactly like the white girl next to me and that's just not who i was and it's also kind of um insidious how this happens where suddenly you start to internalize all of that and you start like disliking the things that like make you unique yes or like parts of your culture you know it's like oh i can't believe like people do that or i can't believe like my mom won't make pasta for dinner or Mm -hmm. something you know and even if i liked whatever she made and um i'd come home and happily eat it but i could never take it for school no i could never take it in my lunchbox even though now I take her tomato rice and her All chapati kinds of things. and yeah. yeah. And also uh, I'm so glad that this didn't happen to me, but like it happened to so many other kids where they would like lose their language in that process of, you know, they would like refuse to speak whatever Indian language that they spoke. Um, in a way we were lucky because like our grandma would come and live with us. And while she did understand English and stuff, it was just so much easier to speak to her in Tamil mm-hmm. and like, um, I would still speak to our mom in Tamil a lot, but yeah, like my Tamil is not nearly as good as it used to be Same, because I would just only speak English at a certain point. And now, you know, I can like move in between languages, but yeah, yeah, that was definitely something. Yeah. I want to run it back to this really specific memory. I remember when I was in sixth grade and I was, it might've been sixth maybe seventh grade I don't know we went to outdoor school did you guys have this outdoor school yes but at my old middle school because where I you went to go here. see like rocks outside and uh, stuff. yeah basically and like fishing or whatever uh, yeah okay so we went um and you had to pack a lunch for this and obviously like the classic American lunch that you pack for your kids like a peanut butter was seemingly like a peanut butter sandwich ham and cheese turkey and cheese like some sort of deli meat bread cheese sandwich with maybe some fruit and some fruit snacks and a a capri sun juice box or something and we never really had those things in our house and also we're vegetarian so we don't eat deli meat but i always wanted to be just like the other kids and i wanted a sandwich i wanted that sandwich (laughs) so i said i'm gonna make me a sandwich for lunch she made me a sandwich, one piece of bread with some butter on the inside, and then she folded it up. Oh, no. <laughs> and what? I love I love my mother. I mean, she did the best that she could. What was she going to make me? Yeah. What could she have made me? Oh, I didn't give God. her many options, right? So <laughs> I said, I want a sandwich, and she sent me on my way to outdoor school with a piece of bread and some butter on the inside. And you know... When I was little, I used to eat butter, like plain. <laughs> she probably was so confused being like, why does my kid want this ugly sandwich? Yeah. I mean, I didn't say I wanted butter, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm in outdoor school and I'm sitting next to my friend who pulls out her little sandwich that her mom made her. And I pull out mine and my friend goes, what's in your sandwich? Oh, no. And I was just like, oh, it, you know, it's just... And I just couldn't even answer her because I didn't want to be like butter. Oh, There's no. literally just butter in here. But I mean, that's a prime example of a way that I desperately tried to fit in, even though I was just eating a piece of bread with butter on it for lunch. The worst sandwich ever. I really tried there. Yeah. Oh, this really brings up memories. And, you know, it gets like more interesting and more com- like complex as you get older 
like for example um one of the huge things is like when you are going through puberty you know you get like hair on your body like your eyebrows Facial hair body hair yeah just a whole kind of thing and I don't remember at what point I really noticed but I think at some point someone was like yeah you have like a unibrow <laughs> and it was a friend and it was like girl do you know this you know it was like she was, she trying, was trying to be a homie she was trying to look out for me okay, okay. yeah um <laughs> so it wasn't like in a mean way but then literally that next day I was like mom we had like this lady who you know, my mom would get her eyebrows and I was like, mom, we're going right now. And I think I was like, like 12, like very young to be threading my eyebrows. Um, and I got them threaded and it hurt so damn bad. I literally, and you never, you haven't stopped since I haven't stopped once you start, you can't, but I mean, I, I digress. That lady made it hurt way more than (laughs) the lady that we go to now. But anyways, I was like, Oh my God, this is like another maintenance thing that I have to go through. And then while I was there, she was like, should I wax your upper lip? And then I was like, oh my God, this is like another thing. And you know, when I looked at all of my friends that were white, all of their facial hair was blonde. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't see it. And so it was like, they didn't have to do anything. So before your friend had pointed it out, did you realize that you had a unibrow and a mustache? Um, I think not really. (laughs) I don't know if I really noticed. I think I like noticed that something was there. (laughs) But like, I didn't think that it was something that needed to be removed. I don't know. Everybody was like weird looking. We were all like 12. I mean, it's middle school. You're just, it's like a weird place. Yeah, I didn't notice. And then after that, I became so uh, like hyper aware. Yeah. You know, and then I was like, it, it kind of extended to things like my arm hair or my leg hair. And, you know, one by one, the things got removed. And now it's like a whole routine. A whole maintenance routine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it was like, oh, if someone had a lot of arm hair, like, especially the boys would be like, oh, my God, look at that. You look like a boy. Yeah. And that's when, you know, your perception by your male peers kind of became a new thing. And it's so it holds so much importance. Yes. Which kind of leads to the next thing. Where, like, at least when we were in our predominantly white high school, like, most of the boys around you are not brown. Mm-hmm. They're white. So, like, just statistically, you end up having crushes on, like, just the people that you're around. So, like, some of them were white. And then I remember thinking, and I think I came to this, like, distinction myself where, you know, I would be like, oh, I like this boy. And then, you know, I would think, does he like me back? And then I would also think, like, is he going to ever like someone like me? Like, can he like someone like me being a brown person, like a person of color? And then I would kind of think, like, put our put ourselves right next to each other in my head. And I would be like, that's like, that's such an odd picture. Like, is that ever going to work? I think every Indian girl has that. I think every experience. POC girl. Yeah. Just like. Will he ever like me or will she ever like me? Yeah. Like as will they ever be someone of to my me? color, mm-hmm. you know, and then you at least at that point, like even in the media, you didn't see very many like biracial relationships um, and you didn't see very many people who were like not the same color together. Yeah. And honestly, I think at some point I just like assumed that I would have to be with someone who was like also my ethnicity. Yeah. I want to run it back to... um the the hair the facial hair and body hair because I have a funny story about this that was traumatic at the time and it's I bring actually it up, not funny it's really traumatic I bring sad. it up now as a joke but I think it was one of the most 
standout experiences of my childhood ever. Um, but I want to, I do want to say, uh, when I was a, a little kid, a very small, maybe one or two year old, three year old before I got my head shaved, I had a lot of curly hair because our dad has curly hair. Um, and then I, they shaved my head, which, which is like a common custom, um, that you do usually when your kid is like one or two, you just like shave their baby hair. Pretty much from three to when I actually started puberty, hair was pretty straight like stick straight yeah very kind of weird um because now i have pretty curly hair yes but when i hit puberty my hair started getting curly and really frizzy and i didn't know what to do with it because i'd lived my whole life up until then with straight hair straight so, hair that was also like not frizzy it was yeah. like very manageable it was, it was just like my mom's hair which is very fine um and, and it had pretty thin hair yeah just like her and silky hair yeah so then when I started growing a lot of hair on my head and that hair was curly, I had no idea how to handle it. So I would always try to blow dry it and then straighten it. And I just damaged the heck out of my hair. Oh my God. The straightening iron was a permanent fixture in our household. Yeah. Because I wanted my hair to be like every other Sally Jane who was blonde and had really thin straight hair and didn't have to deal with the frizz every time she stepped outside. I would step outside. My hair would be like three times the volume that it was before which I still I still suffer with but anyways I was just like how could I have curly like I thought my curly hair was the worst thing in the whole world I did not learn how to embrace my curly hair until junior year of high school honestly I I hated my hair hated that it was curly hated that it was thicker and along with obviously the hair on my head came the hair on my face my facial hair I grew obviously thicker eyebrows I grew leg hair I grew arm hair and I remember in sixth grade gym class, we had to change into shorts, like a shirt and shorts. And I looked around and no other girl had leg hair. And I looked at mine and this was when I had tons and tons of leg hair and I had never shaved or waxed any part of my legs before. I had so, I literally was a gorilla. Oh I God. had so much leg hair and I was looking down at myself and I was like, why does nobody else have this? Oh, no. I was so confused. So I went home and I asked my mom, can I shave? Because you were just starting to shave at that point. Oh, yeah. And my Which, mom. Which, by the way, was like a whole other, like our mom was shook out of her mind. She's not about it. No. But I asked her if I could shave and she was like, absolutely not. You're like 10. <laughs> oh, my um, God. But you can use Nair. So I Nair'd my legs for the first time. And then after that, I think she slowly started opening up to me shaving just because it was like way too much work to nair all the time. And it smelled horrible. Um, Nair girls, if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, But that was just one of the experiences that stood out to me because I was looking around and I was like, why does nobody else experience this? But anyways, fast forward to the next year in seventh grade when this guy, I will not say his name, even though I know his full name and I could (laughs) out him right now, but I won't. Um, yeah, he came up to me and he was like, you're ugly and you have a mustache (laughs) just out of the blue. (laughs) No, we were having a conversation and I think we were like play arguing about something, but then he took it too far. (laughs) I remember we were in history class in one of those portables outside. Um, and then he was like, well, you're ugly and you have a mustache. And I was horrified. So I went home and I told my mom I needed to get my mustache waxed (laughs) ASAP. And that was the story of me waxing my mustache. And, you know, every person goes through it. I'm not even ashamed of it. But at that point in time, I felt so ugly, so yeah. disgusting. 
and i was like why does nobody else experience this and you know this is also like when i was in high school i thinned the ever-loving crap out of my eyebrows you know like a lot of south asian women have thick brows we are blessed by the brow gods but we have to you know take care of them and nobody else around me like none of the paragons of beauty of my age you know 2011 to 2015 (laughs) had thick eyebrows we were still in the era of thin brows and so I was like, okay, let's thin them out. And now when I look back at those pictures, those it's pictures. probably like what people in the early 2000s when they, or like 90s when they had pencil brows. I'm just like, what is this nonsense? Because I eventually grew up and let my eyebrows grow out. And now I'm just like, I can't believe that all of these pressures really made me dislike so many things about myself. Because so now people are like oh my god like I love your hair I love your eyebrows I get that all the time and sometimes it just makes me really mad when people say that to me like not people of color because I'm just like people like you made me feel bad about it Mm -hmm. my entire life and now it's something to aspire to yeah it's like how the turntables literally yeah um I also wanted to touch very quickly we can also make a whole episode about this but the body image problem and issues that we faced growing up because we only saw a very specific type of body and a very specific type of person growing up. Uh, I know for me, there were a lot of girls my age who were doing sports and running track and playing field hockey. And those were like the girls that every single guy liked and they were playing sports and I never really got into sports, but I always felt just not as good as them in terms of my body image I never felt confident in myself I never felt beautiful I never loved my body in fact I actually grew up very much disliking my body because I looked different than everybody else Mm -hmm. and I don't know I think it's just it's tough because in our culture like I mean our grandma used to always say don't be too skinny but also don't be fat yeah but it's you know it's interesting because like in american culture at least thinness was such a um vital beauty standard yeah and that was what you know like everybody in media aspired to be was very thin whether they like forced themselves to be that way or they were naturally like that but at home the messaging was actually quite the opposite because you know as i was like losing weight in high school so i could fit that beauty standard everybody in our family was like you're too skinny you need to stop our grandma would like pinch my thigh and be like what the heck is this like you need to eat more our mom would be like you need to eat more and it's interesting because I guess in South Asian beauty standards like thinness is still the preferred um body type but like there's way more leeway Mm -hmm. than there is here um which is kind of interesting but then when you're trying to essentially become white without not like as much as you can at least that's one of the things that you try to adhere to regardless of if your body is naturally like that or like even if the methods are dangerous yeah and that just spiraled into a whole essentially for my entire adolescence a horrible relationship with myself my body and food food and, yeah fitness everything just snowballed and spiraled because I was trying to be a very specific type of person and that specific person was not Indian not an Indian person not somebody who looked like me at all um 
And it was just, it was hard because we never had any plus size or mid-size models that we could look up to in media. Every single person, every single show that we watched, every woman had the same type of body. And so to me, that was the only type of body that I could ever accept for myself. Because mm. at at the end of the day, you put that pressure on yourself too. Yeah. But um, how did that all change, like for you at least, when we got to college? Because I would say college was like a huge positive shift for me. Um, I completely changed my relationship with my culture and my ethnicity and all of the things that I hated about myself when I got to college. And I saw that there were so many other people just like me. Um, and, you know, one of the examples is, is that like in high school and middle school, especially because we grew up in like a predominantly white area and it was like also leaning conservative at the time, less so now, but at least back then, um, I thought that no one was ever going to like me. I thought I was like literally the paragon of undesirable. Yes. Like I was like all of the things that no one wants, that's me. But then when I got to college, people actually showed interest in me. Yes. And that was like the first time in my life where I was like, holy shit, I'm not ugly. I'm just not white. Period. And, and that was the whole like consensus the culmination of our entire adolescence yes. to this one point and that was like the top of the hill and you're like okay I've made it and so many things just make sense and I won't say that I have like a perfect relationship with my self-image but of the things that I don't dislike about them like my, about myself um my ethnicity is not one of them 100% 100% I I feel the same way I mean I barely watched Bollywood movies. I mean, I, obviously I did. I watched Bollywood movies at home, but only at home. Um, I wouldn't really listen to Bollywood music that much. I The the exposure to my culture was limited to my household, is what I will say. I was not engaging in it outside of this house that we're living in. But when I went to college, I was so surprised. There were so many people who looked exactly like me. So many people who had the same experiences that I did. We all had the same shared experiences. We talked about it. And it was like this, this sense of solidarity that you had with the other brown girls. Oh, so huge. And then you got to go to events and stuff where you're like engaging in your culture in a positive way. And I think it still feels like this to this day when I do that. It feels like um, like healing your inner child in a way. And it is just so nice. Like we would kind of joke about things and like movies we watch Bollywood movies together we would you know if my friend's mom would bring her food um she would be like hey do you want to have some food with me and it would be like home-cooked Indian food that like my mom would make um we would listen to Bollywood music together sometimes and you know our campus had events like for holidays and stuff that we could partake in and it almost felt like a complete um like I was re-owning that part of myself. I couldn't agree more. It felt like I was shedding the skin and this person that I was in that I felt like I had to be in during my entire like years of primary school. And then I, when I went to college, I just became this completely new person. I loved engaging in my culture. I loved being a part of this community that made me feel so happy and proud to be Indian I had never felt so proud to be Indian like, oh I was for walking sure. around campus wearing my lenga going to Garba so proud yeah and I was like I feel beautiful and amazing in this outfit and I'm going with my 
friends who look just like me and like you said you know we'd watch our bollywood movies together we'd go eat indian food together that was huge yeah it was it just felt amazing and then like you said earlier when i got to college i realized hey i people can like me i don't need to be white for people to like yeah me. yeah um and that was a huge huge thing because i always thought nobody will ever like me because of my skin color yes and the second i get to college things change and not just i will say not just indian men like there were white people too out yeah. here who were showing interest and so i was i mean sometimes still to this day you think it's a scam when white men show interest in no, you no 100% you're like hmm Cause what's it's, going on cause here no because like all of the negative experiences in your past you're like this there's no way this is happening yeah, this right can't now be happening. yeah and it's interesting because in college um i had like two relationships and one of them was with someone who was not indian and one of them was with someone who is indian and the difference being that with uh my ex who was indian there was so much that i did not have to explain and it was just implicitly understood and his family operated in very similar ways to mine and like so when I couldn't do certain things or when there were certain expectations from my family that I had to follow he like completely understood that we could eat Indian food together we could watch Bollywood movies together we could listen to the music together and it was just so nice to not have to be the representative of your culture for the people around you and also just to not have to explain yourself not having to explain yourself is huge and there's so much peace that comes with being around people in your community where you don't feel so anxious you're just very like okay I'm here with my people I don't need to explain myself and I think it's the most authentic form of yourself and I think college turned me into the most authentic person that I that I can be And it's interesting now because um, as adults and like specifically just the kind of climate that we're in now, I think a lot more people are like aware of race and ethnicity and there are more um, accepting of the differences between them, which is not to say like that you don't get the odd microaggression here or there, but I think that people are so much more willing to just kind of engage with you knowing that you're a different ethnicity and kind of ask you questions about it and understand that that's a part of you that is not to be changed but you know they're excited to learn about to be explored yeah and and you know people are curious in a good way now and it's interesting to kind of move to this space after essentially your entire life being like very cautious and protective of it because you more often than not were going to be met with some kind of negative reaction yeah it's huge and now I look back on I look to the kids who are in middle school and high school growing up in this age and I'm so happy for them that they get to experience life like this because the oppression it, that I that we felt growing up was it was rough back then it was pretty crippling there were parts of my parts of high school where I was like ashamed of being who I am and yeah. I mean quick quickly when I went to college that was stripped away but there were definitely parts of me that it was hard it was like an internal battle of who do I want to show what kind of person do I want to be on the outside right I could never actually be myself 100% until there were there was a community for me that showed that I could be supported yeah and you know I just kind of want to like if anybody who's younger is listening um and kind of going through the same stuff that we did um it definitely does get better like you don't have to hide any part of yourself to be accepted um 
screw the haters yeah <laughs> live your best life be your most you know this sounds so cheesy be your most authentic self like I think that if you are feeling ashamed or like feel like you have to hide parts of yourself now um I do want to assure you that there's going to be a time when you're older and you really wish that you were more open about it um and more in touch with it then because I feel like in my pursuit of trying to hide that about myself, you know, I inadvertently hurt people around me Yeah, by making, like, especially our parents, you know, who thought that we were very disinterested in our culture, which must've been something that was like really sad for them. But in reality, <clears throat> it was just kind of us trying to survive. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I do want to say, um, this is also going to sound super cheesy, <laughs> this whole advice section, but you as much as you try to erase that part of yourself or suppress it you can never erase that part of you you can never suppress it into oblivion it's always going to come back up and it's exactly who you are so I mean start earlier than we did for sure try your best to just embrace exactly who you are and I promise there are going to be people in your life that you encounter that are going to embrace that part of you as well there's if you are around people who make you feel like you should be ashamed of that part of yourself or that you shouldn't love yourself exactly who as who you are then you're not around the right people and for so much of my life I was not around the right people who did not make me feel good about myself and who I was so like Akka said things are going to get better I promise there's going to be a part of your life where you're going to be so proud and so happy to be South Asian to be Indian to be Desi so You'll get there. It's going to be amazing. And I would love being Indian. Like, it's we the live, best. We like our mom's food happily. And we watch Bollywood movies literally all the time. I'm trying to get back into learning Tamil slowly. So I can when I go back to India next year, hopefully I can speak to my grandparents. But yeah. And that's it for this week. Um, hope you guys didn't miss us so much and we won't take an extended break anytime soon yes we are going to be changing um the podcast a little bit because unfortunately this episode and then potentially our next episode are going to be the last two episodes that we'll be recording in person for a while obviously i'm going to come back home and stuff but we're going to try to figure out how to make this work long distance we're going to try to figure out the technicalities of doing zoom and everything but yeah so while we're figuring that out bear with us we're hoping to continue doing this as consistently as we can because we love it but thank you for sticking with us and see you next time bye bye